Okay. Good morning. How are we all doing? You all good? Hey, there's a lot of new people here today. Just want to say a warm welcome. Um, hopefully, at the end of service, we get another chance to, to hang out, talk. We're in the middle of a series on prayer. And I just wanted to start off by just kind of getting real with you guys, sharing a little bit uh, of my own story. Um, you guys ever feel like um, when you pray, y- y- you want to, like, match a certain level of excitement, but sometimes you find yourself not really being there? Like, you know, when, when the worship team got up there, there's all this energy, and, and you're like, oh, I kind of wish, like, when I was praying— when I pray with other people, it would match that level of energy, but sometimes you don't feel that excited to pray. Sometimes you feel like prayer is not the most exciting thing in the world. Am I saying that? A pastor is saying that? Yes. Anyone kind of ever feel like that? Oh, okay, only a few. <laughs> wow, you guys should be up here saying something. Um, well, I-, I wanted to start off by being real, uh, telling a story. When Rain and I were dating, uh, we thought it would be a good idea to pray. I was headed for the ministry. Um, So we started praying on a a semi-regular basis. It was about once a week. We'd get together and kind of do that sort of thing. And so we would get together and we would pray, sometimes with other people, sometimes it was just the two of us. But then Raina could start to tell that my enthusiasm for praying together just started kind of waning. You know, it just... I don't know, just getting to the prayer, I started to drag my feet a little bit. I wasn't as enthusiastic. And so there was one time she asked me what was wrong. Well, Raina's not here, so like, okay. Um, and so I was honest with her because we really were trying to be very honest with each other. And I said, you know, honestly, I, I'm just not into it as much as you are. And she said, why is that? You know, actually, you know, she said, uh, aren't you going to be a pastor? No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. Actually, my wife, was a lot, uh, my, my girlfriend at that time was a lot more encouraging that she just said, well, why, why, why? And I said, you know, uh, honestly, she said, yeah, tell me honestly, uh, you kind of pray too long. Yeah, I said that. Like, Raina would, you know, she'd get into the details with God. Not a bad thing, but sometimes like, He's God. He already knows all the details. You really need to list all the details. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, this is what, and I'll just be honest. You know, sometimes, you know, you're praying, and I, I just, uh, I, my mind starts to wander. And then my mind starts to wander. I feel like I should be a more supportive boyfriend, and I feel guilty for my mind wandering. So now I'm feeling, like, not really into it, and I'm feeling guilty. Well, needless to say, after that confession, we didn't pray together that much uh, more often when we were dating. But can I just ask you, can, does anyone can kind of relate to how I was feeling back then? You know? And some of you, you have like, you have detailed lists, you know? And you go with God through the detailed list. And then what do you do the next day? You go through the detailed list. And sometimes you're like, you know, I don't know. That's not the most exciting thing to do. And God knows all the details anyway. Why am I actually repeating the list? And sometimes you feel like, you know, I'd rather watch TV. Then pray. Anyone ever, ever feel like that? You feel like you should be more excited to pray, and some of you are like, what's wrong with me? I should be more excited to pray. Why am I not more excited to pray? Anyone ever kind of feel like that? If you do, 
I wanted to share with you uh, how God has changed me. I would say, like, if you've ever prayed with me, like, recently, I'm not the same guy that I used to be, like, 10 years ago. Sometime, Raina's like, you're the one that prays too long. You know, the me, 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 right? But there's been a, a lot of added excitement in my prayers. And what I wanted to do is just get up here and just try to explain what changed. And when I really thought about it, I think there's one decisive thing, one habit that's been nurtured. And I have to say, with all honesty, it's made all the difference. I can even say that it wasn't just for me, but that if you guys nurture this one habit in your lives, I am so confident it's going to change your prayer life. And dare I even say that it won't only change your prayer life, it'll change your outlook on life. And if it changes your outlook on life, I think it's actually going to change the quality of your life. No, I hope I'm not like over-promising. But as I've thought about it my past, year, past 10 years, I really think this one habit that God has developed in my life has actually radically changed my prayer life. And so I wanted to come to you and share something that has been really making a difference in my life. It's really had a proven track record of difference, and I thought it'd be really beneficial for you. That one habit is the habit of praise. The habit of adoring God. And I'm standing here saying that if you nurture this one habit, not only will it change your prayer life, I actually feel like it'll change your outlook on life and actually it'll change the quality of your life. Now, at the end of this message, you tell me if you think I'm overpromising. Okay? You tell me if you think I'm overreaching. But what I want to do first is explain to you just by two verses of Scripture how if you look at the Scripture, come up with an attribute of God... And then praise God for that attribute. It has so much power to change your life. And what I want to do for the rest of our time is just walk you through two, script, two verses. Now, I know sometimes uh, when, when I'm up here, I actually like to do like 10. But I'm just going to go like two verses and just show you what it looks like to take a verse, tease out the attribute of God. And if you actually hold on to that attribute and praise God through that attribute and remember who God is... It has potential to change so many things in your life. Okay, you guys with me? Okay, let's first go to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I'm going to walk through this scripture. And again, we are going to think through how the attribute of God rises up and what it looks like to hold on to that attribute. Here is Romans 8, 32. He, God, who did not spare his own son... But gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? One verse. Do you know how much power is in that one verse? Now let's think about the attribute of God that this verse is talking about. Okay, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. A pastor once asked his congregation who killed Jesus. Someone said the soldiers did. The pastor said no. Someone said, well, the Jews did. The pastor goes, no, let's be honest. The scripture says clearly here, his father did it. You're like, that's awful. Why would a father do that? Scripture says for us all. Why would he do that for us? Let me hear you guys say for us. For you and for me. How? As a sacrifice for our sins. 
It was the only way for God to redeem and save and to have us. Now the scripture goes on. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, let me just flow with the scripture here. I'm going to tease out the attribute. But let me just flow with the scripture argument here. The argument here of scripture is you got the big thing, and then you got the small thing. Okay? Now, if God gives you the big thing, then you have every assurance that he's going to give you the small thing, the peanuts. Okay? The really big thing. Okay, let me give you uh, an example. I just celebrated my 40th birthday just last week. It was completely epic. I've never had a birthday party that spanned across several days. My wife put it all together. Let me tell you what happened during this epic birthday party, okay? It started with going to the panic room. You guys ever gone to the panic room? Puzzle room. It's really fun. You're in prison. You try to break your way out. Then it was followed by Korean food. Sandra, thumbs up. Young hands up. Korean food. It was really good food, by the way. Then we went camping. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. No, 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 no. My wife even threw in skydiving. She put her husband 13,000 feet in the air to jump out of a perfectly functioning plane as a gift to me. That's how much she loves me. You're like, does she really love you? I don't know. No, she does love me. And then we're not done. Then we went to Six Flags Magic Mountain. Oh, no, no, no. Six Flags uh, Vallejo. And she threw in a birthday cake to boot, okay? How much did my wife love me? How much planning went into that? You're like, your wife loves you a whole lot. Right? Amen. Okay, now let's say the next day, because of all the six flags and the skydiving, blah, 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 I have a, you know, like sore shoulder. I'm like, oh gosh, that's really bother me. Honey, could you give me like a quick massage? How many of you think she would do it? Yeah, not all of you. Because the truth is, she actually might not do it. But you're ruining the argument here. Of course, if my shoulder was sore, my wife would give me a massage, right? No doubt, right? Why? Because she went through all that planning, the skydiving, all the big stuff. Of course, she's going to do the little thing for you, right? That's how the argument goes. If someone gives you everything, then when you ask for the peanuts, they're definitely going to give you the peanuts, right? That's the argument. Okay, now, go back to the scripture. What is the big thing that God has given us? From the scripture, what is it? His son. I think, think, to God, what is more valuable than the life of his son? What can you, can you, what's more valuable than that? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing more valuable than the life of Jesus Christ. The only son of God. Now, put this together. The scripture is saying he gave up his son for us. Are you blown away by that? God would give up the life of his son for us. Now, Paul is using logic. Just use logic here. If God is willing to give up the life of his son, then the small thing, of course, he will give you. What's the small thing? Everything else. (laughs) You guys like that? What's a small thing? Everything else. Compared to the life of his son, everything else. All the things you need to thrive in Christ. Of course, he's going to give you all of it. Now, okay. Now, we just taken one verse. I didn't do ten verses. I just did one verse. What's the attribute that rises to the surface? Oh, my gosh. God is that gracious. 
How much for you is he? Well, he was willing to give me, us, the life of his son. Okay. Does that change things? If you woke up in the morning and you remembered that verse, and then you're going to your, your quiet time, you're going to pray, and instead of going like, oh God, I got a big day today, I got all these problems, I got this boss that's unreasonable. Instead of just going straight to your, your, your problems, what if you just spent a moment remembering the verse and praising God and remembering who you're talking to? Would that have the power to change the rest of your prayer time? Heck yeah, of course it would. I mean, you're entering, before you actually talk about the problems or the, or the, or the, the request, you're like, who am I talking to again? Oh my, you, you would do that for me. Well, then everything else is just peanuts. Oh my gosh, the faith that comes in, the confidence that comes in, the, assur- the, the comfort that comes in. Suddenly, prayer is getting a lot more enjoyable because you're remembering who you're talking to, right? Now, now again, is it, is it a stretch? Is it, am, am, am I exaggerating? When I say that if you nurture this habit, it can change everything. Certainly, it will change the dynamic of your prayer time. And then when you're asking, you have greater faith, right? You guys with me? Now, let's say you're having a bummer week. I actually had a bummer week, and I'm telling you, you know what happened? I dove out of the plane. I'll tell you more. I actually had the video, but I dove out of the plane, and then the motion sickness carried with me for the entire week. So, like, yesterday, I was throw-uppy, you know? I just felt perpetually throw-uppy during the day, and then at night, I couldn't sleep. And then there were certain fires I had to put, and I would wake up in the morning, and there was this cloud. It was kind of like the cloud that I saw when I jumped out of the plane. No, it was the cloud that was hanging over me. I just felt like problems and bad things are coming to get me. That's how I was feeling. That's, I had that kind of week. Now, maybe you're the same, but what would happen if in the morning, in your prayer time, or maybe you're just taking it through the day, you were thinking about this God who will stop at nothing to give you what you need to thrive? Will that change the tone and the tenor and the culture and your poise for that day? Will it change that day? Yes, of course it would change that day. You're not scared of what's going to happen to you. You're like, I'm ready for anything with this kind of God who will even use the bad things for his glory and my good. Right? So I don't think it's a stretch to say you nurture this habit. You take scripture with you. You're praising God and remembering who's with you during the day. It has the power to actually change that whole day. And by changing the whole day, you actually have a different quality of life. Remembering that Jesus says that Nothing is impossible for those who what? Who believe. One more scripture, okay? And I'm going to bring actually a, a, a guest testimony, someone who is just here before, and they're going to share about their life. But let's go to Romans 8.28. This one going to go real quick, okay? Real quick. But I want to give you enough scripture so you know how to take a scripture, tease out the attribute of God. You're remembering that scripture and that attribute of God, and it is giving you so much power and confidence and poise through the whole day. Okay, let's go through another one. Romans 8, 28. I'm whipping out the big guns here. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, I did the last one, right? The last verse, I did that. I explained it to you, teased out the attribute of graciousness 
It's pretty mind-blowing if you think about it. I was walking you through it. Now, now it's your turn. What I want you guys to do is think about this scripture, this one verse. Turn to your neighbor, and if there's one attribute of God that kind of emerges to the top, I want you to share it in one, maybe two words, okay? Go to a neighbor, share the one attribute of God in one or two words. Go ahead and do that right now. When you hear some talking, discussing, thinking, come on. Let's have the other person share if the other person hasn't shared anymore. 24 words here, but I'm looking for one word to describe the attribute. Okay. Anyone want to share out their word? Anyone feeling courageous today? Yell it out. Sovereign. That's really good. That's a big word. I like that word. Anyone else? Can anyone beat sovereign? No, I'm kidding. Anyone else? I chose sovereign too. I chose sovereign too, so even more so I like that word. But let, 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 let me do this. Let me do this. Uh, I think there's actually one word that really uh, puts this verse into proper, powerful perspective. You know what that one word is? All. That's a big word, right? Isn't all a big word? What is all? All is everything. All, all is all-encompassing. All things. All things. Okay, God works for the good of those who love them through working all things for our good. All things. So I understand that we feel like the good things he's working for our good. I think we get that. But this scripture has such an amazing promise that all things, the bad things. Lord, I prayed for that person and they died. Even that is being worked for our, your good. Lord, I prayed for that person and they got divorced. Even that is being worked out for your good. That's a big promise. All the bad things that are happening are being worked out for the good of people who love God and have been called. Now, what does it look like to go through a really hard time, maybe a really hard week, maybe a really unanswered prayer, and you're holding on to that scripture? Will it change the way you go through that circumstance? Will it change everything about how you see that? I prayed this and and God didn't answer. Yeah, but his answer or non-answer was actually a tool that he was using for your good. It kind of changes how you see everything, doesn't it? It's not a stretch to say you nurture this habit of praising God. It'll change how you see everything. And by changing how your outlook and your faith and your expectancy, it will change your life. I wanted uh, Sandra to come here and to ask, I asked her if she'd be uh, willing to come here and share how remembering and praising God has sustained her through hard times. And so she has a story of her own that she'd like to share. Uh, Let's give a warm welcome to Sandra. More ways than one, we are celebrating uh, her life and the, the, the gift of God's grace in her life today. So here you go, Sandra. Good morning. Thank you for all your support and prayers uh, for joining our family on this uh, joyous occasion. I want to especially thank Pastor Andrew and Pastor Cheryl and Pastor Kelvin and Terry, who have been an uh, integral part of our life here journey. And it, it meant so much to have Juan and Elena and Janelle up here as well, and 
obviously all of you. So thank you so much. Um, for those of you who have been coming to CLC for a while, uh, the last time I was up here sharing my testimony, it was It was during um, the most painful part of my life, uh, my family's heart-wrenching trial of losing our precious twin boys, Samuel and Isaiah. Um, but it was also when I shared with you how God met me exactly where I was, utterly heartbroken, and gave me the longest God hug. That's how I, I could describe it, was holy embrace affirming his unfailing love for me. Um, for about 15 minutes or so, I felt and heard nothing but God's love and voice telling me how much he loves me. Um, focusing on the depth and breadth of God's love for me started the healing process and the courage I needed to start a new chapter in my life. However, even after such holy encounter, there has been many days and no doubt They'll be still when I forget to focus on who God is and instead focus on my regrets, missed opportunities, my problems du jour, my failures, and my painful past. Recalling the months of my little Samuel undergoing countless sur surgeries, and to add to all that, think about all that is not right with this world, feeling overwhelmed, stressed, disappointed, and depressed. But then, when I stopped myself and remembered to turn my focus back on Jesus, what he did for me, and the unchanging and everlasting truth that because of Jesus, my name is in the book of life, and that one day I will be in heaven with my Lord and my loved ones, where death, sorrow, tears, and pain have no place. I find peace and joy that overcome all my pain and transcend all understanding. Having my quiet time and starting by praising God and acknowledging who he is, as Pastor Andrew shared, and mentally and emotionally just nestling in there. I sometimes just sit there and um, just feel like he's right there and just, just soaking in in his love for me. Have enabled me to draw and find strength and quietness in the midst of all my pain, the noise and chaos surrounding me. Remembering God's sovereignty and mercy and focusing on his amazing love for me have carried me from the most painful point in my life three years ago to today, a blissful day for Hyung and me, dedicating our, beauty, our beautiful son Christopher before you. I could not have imagined this day or that I could be this happy again back then. Christopher makes us laugh every day. Sometimes cry too, but <laughs> makes us laugh every day. He's truly a gift and blessing from God. No one who has lived life long enough assumes that life is a walk in the park. Far from it. As good as it could get, we also know that life can be extremely hard, cruel, and heartbreaking. However, no matter how great or unfair, beautiful or ugly, rewarding or unsatisfying our stories may be, or get here on earth, our stories as followers of Christ 
do not end here. The very best is yet to come, heaven bound. As long as we remember to focus our eyes on Jesus, we can rejoice no matter where we are in our lives because of who God is and his everlasting promise that we have eternity with him. Our God is the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the beginning and the end. He is our heavenly father that we could call Abba, father. He's our personal God who is at the same time all-powerful, knowing, loving, and merciful. Our God is immeasurably bigger than our mistakes, hurts, brokenness, regrets, should-haves and have-nots, illness, and yes, even the loss of your loved ones. Our God is holy, worthy of our praise, love, and adoration. In Philippians 4.8, which has been kind of my, my season, my life verse, Paul told us to think about whatever is true, excellent, or praiseworthy, where there's nothing, no one who is more praiseworthy than our Lord Jesus. And so I ask that each of us turn our eyes on Jesus and praise him who is most praiseworthy. Amen. talking to Sandra, and she said to me on the telephone call that there's no way that they could have moved forward with the adoption and the next chapter in life of blessing in life if they were not holding on to just the amazing glory of God and just thinking about that, who is God, and just praising him for who he is. And I was telling Sandra, it means a lot for you to get up here and with all that you guys have been through, to actually express that is beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, again, if, if we nurture this habit of knowing who we're talking to and holding on to Scripture and praising God for who he is, it will change your life. Now, those of you who are more practical minded, you're thinking, how, what, what do you want me to do? What can I do to actually nurture this habit? Okay, three ways. Okay, three things. They, they're adapted from, from Tim Keller's book on prayer. I think they're really, really good. They're really, really helpful. Uh, I want to share them with you. Number one, how can we nurture this habit? Make every pleasure into a channel of adoration. Make every pleasure into a channel of adoration. This actually was a, a CS, uh, uh, Tim Keller was actually quoting C.S. Lewis. In his letters to Malcolm, he's talking about how C.S. Lewis had personally been nurturing this habit of praise. And what he would do is he would seize every pleasure and he would turn it into a vehicle of praise. Now, I just want you guys to think about the opportunities that we've had to do this, even this coming morning. Okay, I'll give you one, uh, one example. For those of you who kind of live like in the Oakland Hills, you woke up this morning, maybe through the window, you saw a beautiful sunrise. Does that relate to anyone here? Okay, Lewis is talking more than just looking at the beautiful sunrise and saying, God, thank you for the beautiful sunrise. It's, it's actually more than that. But you go deeper, you go, what kind of God would make a sunset like that? Like, what kind of artist is he to think of using this splendid array of colors? 
It's, it's, it's taking the ray of the sun and taking it back to the sun. It's taking the, the pleasure and working it back to the glory of God, some kind of truth about God. I'll give you another example. How many of you guys this morning had a morning cup of coffee? Raise your hands. Okay, now we're going to keep them, we're going to keep interacting. If you had Starbucks, raise your hands. Okay, if you had Pete's coffee, raise your hands. Okay, if you had something like Blue Bottle or like Phil's, raise your hand. Okay, that was Daniel right there. Oh, Daniel, this morning, when you drank that cup of coffee, were you giving glory to God or were you just drinking that cup of coffee? Always with Blue Bottle. Okay, good. But the, the, the point is that if you're drinking this cup of coffee, you just, you just slurp it down. Oh, that was good. Thank you, God. Or can you go, what kind of God would think of creating these beans? And if these beans, if you were to like uh, 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 roast them and grind them, put them in hot water, it would bring out such tremendous flavor for enjoyment. What kind of God would do that? You're just taking coffee and you're taking it back unto the glory of God. Just coffee, right? But it's an avenue for glory. Okay, you're watching a replay maybe this morning of Steph Curry sinking a three-pointer shot. How many of you guys did that this morning? None of you. Good. Oh, Monty did. Okay, or you did it last night. You know, this is the, and you're thinking, what kind of God would design the human body with such elegance, you know, to be able to do something like that? It's a pleasure that you're working back unto the glory of God. Now, now you're realizing, gosh, if I did that with every pleasure, I could be glorifying God all day long. Yeah, that's kind of the point, right? That's kind of the point. It's kind of going through your daily, your day. And you're interacting with God and using these pleasures as a vehicle of being with God and adoring him. You are here. You are glorious. You are awesome. Even through something like coffee. What an amazing opportunity with ordinary pleasurable gifts. Okay, that's number one. How about this one? This is uh, learning from the collects of Thomas Cramner's common book of prayer. Like, huh? Okay, but we'll, we'll work with me. Okay, now... I've actually read this article that Tim Keller uh, wrote on the colics, and I've been actually applying it for years and years. It has been tremendously helpful to me. And here's the thing. Let's say you're praying. Someone in your life is sick. You're praying for them. And normally you would just pray. You would go, Lord, please heal this person. This person, you know, is in, in a lot of trouble. Please heal them. And then you would say, amen. Now, that's not a bad prayer. But I'm just saying, here is a way, actually, to make that prayer even more powerful, even more faith-filled and better. Use the f- formula, the structure of a collect. Now here, number one, you, you start with the address. So I'm praying for someone, and so instead of just saying, God, he, you, I'm actually taking time to think of an attribute of God and naming that attribute. God, you are the great physician. Then I go into the doctrine, a truth about God's nature that is the basis for the prayer. God, I remember one time there was this leper that came to your son and said, if you are willing, you can make me heal. And Jesus said, I am willing, be healed. You are not only powerful, but you are that good. Ah, suddenly, when I'm about to present my request, it comes with a sense of confidence, expectancy, power. Why? Because I've joined the scripture and who God is to what I'm asking him for. Not just asking him for stuff, but I'm connecting it to the nature of God and who he is in glorious scripture. And I'm connecting it in just a few sentences. And it's adding power and faith expectancy to my prayer. Then I pray for the thing I want. And then 
the aspiration, what good result will come if the request is granted? I'm thinking about heaven coming to earth. I'm thinking about my Father's will. I'm thinking about God's glory. And so I'm giving a reason why if this person is healed, it would be good for the kingdom and God would be glorified. And then I follow by saying, in Jesus' name, because none of this, I can even talk to God as Father if it were not for the sacrifice and the mediator that is Jesus Christ. I call it. Now, again, I've been doing this for the past several years. It adds power and faith and expectancy in my prayer. I'm like, wow, I would love to share something practical with you guys. Here's a third one. A third one, really, can you look in your bulletin and pull this out to show me that you got this? This is for you guys, okay? Now, what you see here is 31 ways to praise. What I did with those two verses in Romans, they've done it 31 times here. You can use this. You know, today is what, like the 26th? You can go to 26, God the liberator, right? There's a scripture. You tease out the attribute. You're thinking about that attribute of God. You're carrying it with you in your prayer time or throughout the day. It changes how you see that day. It changes your prayer time. It's some sort of attribute of God. And so this is going to be a resource to you. I wanted to close with a story. It comes from John Orberg, and he writes about the difference that praise made in a woman's life. We're just going to close with this story. Here it goes. The state-run convalescent hospital is not a pleasant place. It is large, unstaffed, and overfilled with senile and helpless and lonely people who are waiting to die. On the brightest of days, it seems dark inside, and it smells of sickness and stale urine. On this particular day, I was walking in a hallway that I had not visited before, looking in vain for a few who were alive enough to receive a flower and a few words of encouragement. This hallway seemed to contain some of the worst cases, strapped onto carts or into wheelchairs and looking completely helpless. As I neared the end of this hallway, I saw an old woman strapped up in a wheelchair. Her face was an absolute horror. The empty stare and white pupils of her eyes told me that she was blind, The large hearing aid over one ear told me that she was almost deaf. On one side of her face, it was eaten by cancer. There was a discolored and running sore covering one part of her cheek, and it pushed into her nose to one side, dropping one eye and distorting her jaw so that what should have been the corner of her mouth was the bottom of her mouth. As a consequence, she drooled constantly. I was told later that when the nurses arrived, the supervisor would send them to this woman, thinking that if they could stand this sight, they could stand anything in the building. I also learned later that this woman was 89 years old and that she had been there bedridden, blind, nearly deaf, and alone for 25 years. This was Mabel. I don't know why I spoke to her. She looked less likely to respond than most of the people I saw in the hallway. But I put a flower in her hand and said, here's a flower for you. Happy Mother's Day. She held the flower up to her face and tried to smell it, and then she spoke. And much to my surprise, her words, although somewhat garbled, because of her deformity, were obviously produced by a clear mind. She said, thank you. It's lovely. But can I give it to someone else? I I can't see, you know, I'm blind. 
I said, of course. And I pushed her in her chair back down the hallway to a place where I thought I could find some alert patients. I found one and I stopped the chair. Mabel held out the flower and said, here, this is from Jesus. That was when it began to dawn on me that this was not an ordinary human being. Mabel and I became friends over the next few weeks, and I went to see her once or twice a week for the next three years. Some days I would read to her from the Bible, and often when I would pause, she would continue reciting the passage from memory word for word. During one hectic week of final exams, I was frustrated because my mind seemed to be pulled in ten different directions at once with all the things I had to think about. And then the question occurred to me, what does Mabel have to think about? Hour after hour, day after day, week after week, not even able to know if it's day or night. So I went to her and asked, Mabel, what do you think about when you lay there? And she said, I think about my Jesus. I sat there and I thought for a moment about the difficulty for me of thinking about Jesus for five minutes. And I asked, what do you think about Jesus? And she replied slowly, I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life, you know. Lots of folks wouldn't care what I think, but lots of folks would think I'm old-fashioned, but I don't care. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me, you know. This is not fiction. Incredible as it may seem, a human being really lived like this. I know her. I knew her. How could she do it? I think the answer has something to do with what she knew about her God. And this is what you also have access to. You nurture this habit. It'll change your prayer life. It'll change your outlook on life. It'll change your life. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I, I just want to pray for our people. And I pray for myself along with it. I'm so sorry that so many times we live in the shadows of the true reality of who you are. We're not thinking about it. We're consumed by our problems. We're just living here just by, with our own blinders on. And I just pray that you would help us to look up and to look often and to know who you are and to live and to walk in the faith of who you are for us, even at this very moment. Help us to be those kind of people, like Mabel, like Sandra. Do this in us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.